right, so let's continue. So we have a, a we're, part, we're in a series right now called I Am, and we're talking about the seven I Ams of Jesus uh, in the book of John. And today we're talking about I Am the Good Shepherd. I Am the Good Shepherd, okay? Um, so I want to start off with a question. Have you ever been out of line? Like, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. Or, or has anyone? <laughs> many times. Currently, are you out of line right now? Okay, okay, we'll have to talk later then. But, the, but um, and, and has anyone ever been like, out of line with you or have you been out of line with someone? Like, I think it's all happened, it's, it's happened to all of us. In fact, a while back, a few months ago, I saw this, this uh, four, I think it was a four-year-old uh, girl and uh, she was uh, in this grocery store with her mom, and she was just screaming at her mom, saying, you're stupid, you're stupid. And I'm like, holy cow, like, that's not good. And it kind of, like, changed the, the atmosphere in the moment. Like, everyone was, like, kind of looking around, like, is she going to say anything? Is she going to do anything? And it was like, she was really nice to her daughter, which is probably one of the problems we have in society right now, is that she was way too nice to her. And she's like, no, no, don't talk to your mommy like that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is not good. Reminds me of a scene um, in, uh, in The Office when, um, you know, Stanley yells at Michael, and then it just all stops, and he's like, okay, everybody leave, and then just the two of them. Because the reason why I bring that up is because in organizations, in family, and even in, in church, there are moments when the order needs to be reestablished. And so the question that would come up in the moment when this, this uh, daughter was screaming at her mom is a similar situation that happened in the office when Stanley, who was a subordinate, had yelled at Michael. It's like the, there's this order that had, that had been uh, turned into chaos, and then the question was, is the leader going to step up? Like, is the leader going to step up and do anything? Like, is he going to say anything? Is he not going to say anything? Because it's very important in these moments what's going to happen with an organization because the problem is if, if the... If the boss doesn't do anything, then it's no longer the subordinate who's the problem, it's the boss who's the problem. If this happens in the family where, um, you know, the, the mom doesn't do anything, uh, it's no longer the child the problem, the mother is the problem. And so the reason why I bring that up is because um, in the same way that in families there's this situation and in organizations this can be a problem, also in church. In church there's a certain order that God has established. There's an, there's an order for church. And so the reason why I bring that up is because when that order is, is messed with, then it becomes a problem. Things get out of balance. So the reason why I say that is because some, I think maybe it's very possible that some of us don't necessarily understand what the proper order of the church as an organization is supposed to be. And this becomes a problem because when you don't know what my role is, you're not going to know what your role is. When the elders doesn't know what their role is, then the volunteer's not going to know what their role is. And you may have some assumptions as to how church is supposed to be organized. So I grew up in a culture where the, church, the, the pastor was the boss. Like the pastor ran everything. The pastor made all the decisions. He made all the purchases. He called all the shots. He hired. He fired. He had the vision. And he had no accountability. And here's why. Because he was only accountable to God. And everyone else assumed that the pastor was like, had like this special role or this special connection that no one else had. And whatever the pastor said was what everyone else just simply had to obey 
because he was like the uh, special anointed of God. Fortunately, this is not how things operate here. At our church, we have trustees, we have elders, we have the pastor, we have staff, we have volunteers, etc., etc. So nobody gets too much power. But I, I want to I draw this point home, and some of you may say, I already knew that, but I think it's important for us to understand that, that you may assume that the guy with the mic is the guy that has more answers than everybody else. Because he's the one that gets to talk for 30 minutes and everyone else has to listen. He's the guy that has the, the lights on him. You know, he, he, everyone's pointing toward me. I'm standing on this sort of higher ground. I get to, I ask to be, you know, when we're at a meal and we're going to pray, it's always, oh, pastor, you know, could you pray? That kind of stuff. And so there's an assumption possibly that, that the pastor has sort of like more of a better standing with God. And you may think that because I'm called the, the lead pastor, that's like a big, it's like a big name. Um, but let me tell you why this is important to, to bring this up today. Because if you're, if you're confused as to what my role is, then you will also be confused as to what your role is. Um, so let me just talk about this for a little bit. The word pastor is actually interchangeable with the word shepherd. Uh, in fact, in Spanish, it's the exact same name. It's pastor. It means the same thing. It's a shepherd, pastor. They're both interchangeable. Um, and shepherd simply means guide. He's a guide. And if you want to know what my job description is, uh, you don't go to the website because it's not going to be there. But if you go to Titus chapter 1, and then you go to, to 1 Timothy chapter 3, you're going to find what the role of a pastor is, what the qualifications of a pastor is. But why am I talking about this? Like, why am I talking about, about my role is here at the church? So that you know what your role is. If you're confused about what my role is, you'll be confused about what your role is supposed to be and what our relationship is supposed to be. And, and, and pastors can easily get confused about this. And I've seen this happen over time that pastors don't understand what their role is. There are pastors that, that think that they are sort of like, like they own their congregations. And so that their, their congregations, since they have sacrificed for their congregations, that their congregations owe them loyalty, that the congregations owe them submission, that their congregations owe them obedience. And that is a recipe for burnout. For pastors, by the way. It is a recipe for, for burnout. Um, there, there are a lot of pastors that crash and burn. A lot of them. Like, there's a lot of just statistics of pastors that are like, oh, I just can't keep, keep doing this anymore. And the reason why, or one of the reasons why I believe that they crash and burn is because they don't understand what their role is and they don't understand what their role is not. And if you don't understand what your role is, you're going to get frustrated, disheartened, discouraged, confused. You'll want to quit. However, when you understand what, what God has called you to do as a pastor, you're free. And here's why. When, we're, when I'm in counseling with someone, if I'm, if I'm counseling a couple or if I'm talking to someone and, and doing counseling, here's what I'm going to do as a, as a pastor. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what the Bible says, I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to give you some advice. And then... You're going to go because I understand that, that now it's between you and God. It's not between the two of us. It's between you and God. 
This is very important to understand because the reason why some pastors will burn out is because you'll counsel someone and then you'll counsel them again and then you'll counsel them again and they're, and they're like, I've told you so many times what the Bible says and I've, I've given you the same advice so many times. Why won't you do what I tell you? That's a problem because it's not between you and me. It's between you and God. And the same is true in preaching. When I'm preaching the word, like, here's, here's my role. Here's, here's my job. I need to do the best that I can to be able to explain to you what the text is talking about. Because if I do my best in doing that, I can walk away and I know, like, if you do nothing of what I asked you to do, we're always going to be good. Because I know it's between you and God. And, and I, I, I can't be the one convincing you to do things. I have to allow for the Holy Spirit to do it. Because if you're responding as a result of what I have told you, first of all, that's not going to be sustainable in time, and you're going to feel like you're accountable to me, and then it's not going to be true change. You have to respond to what the Holy Spirit shows you. This is so important. So you don't owe me anything. This is so freeing for a pastor. I'm telling you, this is so freeing for a pastor, and this is the work of the gospel. The work of the gospel is this. As a pastor, since everything that I need in Christ I already have, then you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me loyalty. You don't owe me submission. You don't owe me obedience because I'm not keeping score. You and I will always be good. But the problem is now the burden's on you. And this, 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 is, this is what I want to, this is kind of the point that I want to drive home today. Because my job as a pastor is not to get anyone to do anything. It's just to preach the scripture the best that I can. Because God does the whole work. He does the whole job. And as a pastor, you shouldn't want anyone to do anything as a result of what you've asked them to do. You want them to respond to what the Holy Spirit is guiding you. So why do, why do I bring that up? Why, why do I bring up the importance of knowing what my role is and what it's not. It's because in the, the scripture that we're going to read today, in the New Testament, there were, there were teachers that also didn't understand their role. And the result of the teachers not understanding what their role was, the people that were following them also didn't understand what their role was as a response. These were the Pharisees. And they, they thought that they could tell people what to do. They thought they could tell people how to live. They thought that they were owed accountability. They thought that they were owed loyalty. They thought that they owned their followers. And this created a big problem. Because when the teachers didn't understand what their role was, then the followers didn't understand what their role was either. This created a big problem, and that can happen here as well. And so here's the context of what we're going to read today. We're going to read John uh, chapter 10, starting in verse 1. This is the Good Shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 1. If you don't have the Bible, we're going to have the scriptures on the screen. He says this. This is the context. The Pharisees were really jealous. The Pharisees were really, really jealous of Jesus. Um, they were confused, and they didn't understand why, why people just weren't following them anymore, and they started following this Jesus guy. They were frustrated. They're like, what does he have that we don't have? So they were losing a lot of popularity, and they were very, very jealous, and Jesus confronts them. And he says this, uh, John chapter 10, starting in verse 1, says this, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. 
The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and he and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Okay. Have you ever been absolutely confused when somebody says something? Okay. That's exactly how everyone felt when he said what he said. Like, what do sheep and a sheep pen and a shepherd have to do with anything that we're talking about? And so what happens to them is they, if you look at the scriptures, and Jesus, Jesus would always use metaphor and he would always use parables. But he would use these, and I don't even understand why, because nobody would ever understand it. So I don't know why he would even bother doing that. And so, so for, for the people that he was talking to, the sheep and the, and the, and the sheep pen and the shepherd, they were, they were all familiar with those concepts. But on the other hand, they didn't understand that this was a metaphor. They thought, like, what is he talking? Like, what's this whole thing about? Now, for us, it's, it's the opposite. Like, we, we're not familiar with sheep and sheep pens. We don't know, like, that's not a familiar thing for us. But we get the metaphor very quickly. And so what I want to do is I want to I show you an image uh, of what a sheep pen would have looked like uh, back then. So if you see it, you're going to realize that, that it's, a, it's, a, it's a wall. Like, it's, it's a, you can see a wall around it. You know, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a rock wall, and there's a small uh, entry point for the sheep. And so the reason why it's important for us to understand that is that there's only one lawful way to get in. Like, the sheep are supposed to get in through the door, and there is the gatekeeper right there, and then there's the shepherd that's going to walk through there. The gatekeeper's going to say, good to go, I know who you are, you can come in. And if there was a sheep that was missing, the only reason why a sheep would be missing is because someone would have jumped the wall and taken the sheep out, like, it would have, like he would have stolen the sheep. Um, that, would be, that, would be, uh, that would be the only way, because the sheep, there was no way that they could get out, they, could, they couldn't jump that high. And so when Jesus is using this illustration, they're like, yeah, I know exactly what he's talking about, but they didn't get the metaphor. And so the sheep walks in, the gatekeeper recognizes him, he lets him in, the sheep follow the shepherd, and he even calls them by name. Now, why was it so important for everyone to, to understand this? Because the reason why people were leaving the Pharisees, listen, the reason why the people were leaving the Pharisees and following Jesus is because they had heard a voice that they actually recognized for the very first time. And maybe there are some people who were associated to the Pharisees and, and, and they had been associated with the Pharisees and they had been associated with them not because they, they recognized the voice, but because the Pharisees had gone in and stolen them. So they were unlawful followers. They weren't followers of the, of the good shepherd. They were followers of the Pharisees and they had heard a voice that they... I recognize that voice. There's something compelling about the voice of Jesus. And he was saying, this is why they're following me. Because they are part of my family. And you just stole them. Jesus is saying, that's why they no longer listen to you. Because they have heard a voice that they now recognize. And so I want to show you guys a short video. This is a really interesting video. It's a video... Um, I think it's like a high school or something, or maybe like a youth group, and they're, they're testing out if it's actually true that the shepherd, 
his voice is recognized by the sheep or not. So they try it out, and then you'll see what happens. If you can roll that video, please. to them like we're, we're surprised when we when we see that we even get a little bit emotional because like we start connecting the dots but for them it was like okay this is what we're all talking about we understand what who the shepherd is what happens with the sheep and all that kind of stuff but but they did not understand the illustration you know jesus on uh, uh, verse uh, six says jesus used this uh figure of speech but the pharisees did not understand what he was telling them so like what I was saying before, like I don't even know why sometimes Jesus would bother using illustrations because it seemed like they, they, never, they never got him. But we, we were talking about the bread of life, and he was like, yeah, and there's this bread, you know, that comes down from heaven, and, he's going, and this bread is going to fulfill you completely. And they're like, oh, free bread, you know, magic bread. And he's like, no, 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 no okay, okay, I'm the bread. You know, so it's kind of the same idea, the way they wouldn't get the metaphor, but then he has to tell them plainly in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. And so if there's one point that I'm trying to make today is that, is that Jesus, Jesus is the good shepherd. That's the main point of today. And it's important for us to understand because Jesus in that moment is, is placing himself in another category. Um, he's placing himself in another category. He, he's telling the Pharisees, he's like, you guys are not what you are portraying yourselves to be. Uh, he's telling to the people that are following the Pharisees, he's saying, the, the, these guys, they are not who you believe that they are. They, they can't do what they promise that they can do. The Pharisees aren't the good shepherds. The Sadducees aren't the good shepherds. I am not your good shepherd. The pastors down the street are not your good shepherd. So we may be pastors. We may be teachers. There may be a growth group leader, overseer, elder, but we are not the good shepherd. This is so important for you to understand because, because I may be your pastor. I may be a shepherd in the sense that I am a guide, but I am not the good shepherd. It's so important for you to understand this because because. For, 
first and foremost, I am a sheep, just like everybody else. There's only one good shepherd, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is saying, if you follow the Pharisees, they will disappoint you. Jesus is saying, if you follow the, the Sadducees, they will disappoint you. And I'm telling you right now, if you've made the unfortunate mistake to follow me, I will guarantee disappoint you if I haven't disappointed you already. You see, there's only one who is worthy of being followed, and that is the good shepherd. You see, the reason why I bring this up is because I grew up believing that this scripture that we just read was a scripture for pastors, and, and that, that was our job description, okay? I, I heard it said, you have to have them follow you like they follow Jesus. You, you have to have them recognize your voice like they recognize the voice of Jesus. You have to lay down your life for them like Jesus laid down his life. But I, I discovered that this is not for pastors. It's not. He's not saying, be the good shepherd. He's saying, I am the good shepherd. And so my role is this. I am not called to have you follow me. I am called to point you to the one you should follow. I am not called to, to preach so that you will recognize my voice and follow me. I am called to show you what the scripture says so that you will recognize the voice of Jesus and you will follow Jesus. I am not here to lay down my life for you, but to point to you to the only one who laid down his life for you. You see, it's important that we understand our roles here. I am a sheep, and all the leadership here, we're all sheep following the good shepherd. Um, verse 14 and all the way to 16 says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep. This is, this is really interesting. I have other sheep. Jesus is saying this. I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. In other words, he's saying there are people outside of this congregation that I'm talking to. It's Jesus was talking to the people that were listening that they're not here right now. He says, I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. You see, one flock and one shepherd. Um, when you understand that you are part of one flock and that there is one shepherd, it changes everything. You see, when Jesus comes back, he's not going to come back for, for many churches. Like, hey, he's going to come back for, you know, Downey Christian Church and then the church down the street. No, no, no. He's coming back for one church. One church. You see, we, we, we see walls where Jesus sees none. And so when we understand this, we understand what our, our role is. Matthew 28, this is our calling to, to make disciples of all nations. We're not calling them to make, we're not called to make disciples of ourselves or of, or of a pastor or of a certain church. We're called to make people disciples of, of Jesus. When you understand this, that, that this is between you and God. And the sole intermediator, is that the right word? Intermediator. Intermediate, the sole person, mediator, 
intermediario. That's why I got confused. Mediator. Between you and God is Jesus. It changes everything. It, it makes you understand who you are. And it makes you understand who I am. The only mediator is Jesus. Not me, not the church, not some leader, not your spouse. It's between you and Jesus. You see, I'm going to end with this. There will come a day when you will stand before God. You will not stand with your pastor. You will not stand with your church. You will stand alone. Romans 14 says, each of you will give an account for yourself before God. Two questions will be asked. I don't know if this is going to be literal, but this is kind of the idea. Number one, what did you do with my son? In other words, did you receive him? Did you follow him? That's a question of salvation. Number two, what did you do with what I gave you? That's a question of purpose. But no one will answer these for you. And so this puts, the, this, this puts some responsibility on your shoulders to become a disciple of Jesus. Not through, because we're, we're, we help. We're guides. The church is a guide. I'm a guide. Scripture, you read the scripture, you connect with God. But the, the point I'm trying to make for you here this morning is that you will step into a deeper relationship with God to where you don't have to depend. We help, but you don't have to depend on your spouse, on the pastor, on the church, that you'll be connected to Christ. So here's what I want to do. I want us to, if, you could, if we could all close our eyes here for a moment, I'm going to say a few things and then I'm going to pray. Because maybe you're here this morning and you're, you feel far from God. You come to church and you listen to the messages and maybe you even read the Bible and pray and all these things, but there's something missing. You need to go deeper. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you feel God is calling you to, to take a step of maturity. Start taking responsibility for your growth and your connection to God and, and stop playing games. Maybe that's what God is calling you to do today. Maybe the, the, the church has been helpful for a season, but now it's time for you to truly connect with God and pour yourself out before him. Maybe it's time for you to start reading the Bible every single day and start falling in love with his word. Maybe you're hearing you and you will admit, I am biblically illiterate and I've been in church for so long and I don't know the Bible. Maybe that's you. And it's not a guilt trip. It's an invitation to get to know God and to hear his voice and to recognize the voice of your shepherd. So I want to pray. I want to pray this morning. And if you would like for me to pray for you specifically, I won't call you out by name. Everyone, if you could just uh, keep your eyes closed for a minute. Just if you need prayer for this, you feel like God is calling you to take a step of maturity in your life, I just want to ask you to raise your hand and put it right back down. I'll pray for you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. 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 And Lord God, so we pray this morning. We pray for everyone who's raised their hand that that you allow for, for each of them to be able to understand that you are the good shepherd. And that they'll be able to take a step 
into connecting deeper with you and knowing you and recognizing your voice and following you and knowing what to do and knowing who they are. So I pray these things, Lord, and I thank you so much for this morning. I pray for everyone who even is here and they didn't raise their hand. I just pray, God, that you will allow for them to to take their next step with you this morning. So I pray this, and I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.